Where Arts and Adventure summits the airwaves. This is the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. I'm R. Brandon Long, along with Todd Obendorfer. And we are your hosts for the greatest podcast in all the land. You can subscribe to us on YouTube at Ogden Arts and Adventure. Todd is buried in his computer already. Todd, what are your notes here that you have for this show? Oh, I don't have any notes. You don't have any notes. All right. Introducing our this guests This is a game. Here. I played a game over here. <laughs> okay, good, good. Uh-huh. Uh, representing the arts in Ogden and the Ogdenite. Uh, what do you call presenter? What's your name? Like the producer, publisher, creator, of, creator, creator. Of, founder, the, I guess. Yeah, the Ogdenite. Any of the above. Deanne, Kristen Arms. Deanne, uh, explain Kristen. Explain Kristen. Yeah. I use it because I, if if you're given a middle name, it just seems like a waste to not use it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, representing the arts and then representing adventure, we have Troy Kalentine and Jules Googly Googly. I didn't write it down. You'll have to tell me, <laughs> Jules. How do you how do you spell your last name? You G- get respect from the very yeah. beginning of the show. G O G G O G U E U E L Y L Y. Okay. If, all right, now everybody knows how to Google, actually Google your name. <laughs> Jules Google with the Snow Basin Ski Team. So thanks so much for joining us here tonight uh, on the Ogden By the way, Arts it's Adventure Troy Show. Edward Kalentine. Edward, Edward, yeah, explain you the put Edward. the middle name in there, apparently. Yeah, it's a waste it. if you don't use it. Uh, mine is Todd uh, Allen, A L A N, Oberndorfer. And you already use yours. Parking so. to, what does Allen stand Alan for? Allen is my dad's first name, which I think is his. Did you ever feel pressure to go by Alan? No, never. Never, okay. never, never. Okay. I, don't, I don't use it too often. In fact, I think for a long time when you fill out a form and there's always that, you know, the spot to fill out the middle name. Yeah. You kind of, I don't know, I always felt sort of obligated to fill it out because there's a space yeah. for it, right? And uh, I'd say within the last 10, 15 years, I just leave it blank. Just <laughs> leave a blank. That happens doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the slightest. And it just sometimes shows up in your totally. mail with the middle name. I don't use the middle name. It is there. I'm not disowning it, but I mm-hmm. I don't use it, so I leave it okay. off most of the time. Okay. Are you are you like censoring your dad? Like he's out of the picture now? Do we have family issues or this has nothing to do with that? You just don't want to put the middle name. No, it doesn't have anything okay. to do with that. Okay. That's good. But thanks for digging deeper, though. Yeah, I that just was curious. This is the place to <laughs> reveal that, I think, you know, if, if it was. Why not? Why not? Uh, Deanne, let's start with you. Okay. The Ogdenite. Uh, how did it come to be? Why do what? What is it, first of all? We need the, the elevator pitch for it. Yep, yep. We need the elevator pitch. What is it? Okay. How, how did it come to be, and, and where can we find it? It's Ogden Independent News. It came to be because no one else was really doing it. It was hard to find what was going on. Wait, the standard. So, yeah, but there wasn't at the time um, a weekly, and there still isn't. So this was before they started doing an arts and culture section, actually. Mm -hmm. And I I just thought we needed something like City Weekly or Slug. Ogden's ready for that. We have enough going on. Except for just smaller. Just smaller. We need and literally smaller. Yeah. Smaller. And and I believe in starting small, so I, I love literally yeah. started small. That's awesome. And so we have the pocket guide as our first publication. Do we have a pic do we have one here to show? It is I literally left it out there. tiny. Okay, someone's gonna have it's to go this big. Pocket guide. Yeah. It's I mean it can um, fit in your wallet. It can fit in your wallet. Troy's gonna yes. walk through and grab this thing. Oh so. thank you. Super cool. Yeah. Thank you. Uh okay, and so, so why why did you decide to yeah. 
Come. I just, I, there was so much I wanted to write about, and um, my partner, Patty, said to me, well, why don't you just start publishing your own articles and writing as much as you want? So that's when it had never occurred to me. So I started writing, and it kind of, um, I write what I think that I would want, is a list of everything going on all in one place that's easy to find. So this is the pocket guide. It really is a pocket guide. Like These a, are the like first two sheet. issues. Like a little yeah. cheat sheet. It's yeah. a cheat sheet. Yeah. Yes. This is just the at-a-glance guide. We have more content on our website, more in-depth. We do articles um, kind of expanding on a lot of the content in the pocket guide. So so if you were going to have a test, yeah. like say this coming Friday, on <laughs> what's happening in Ogden, you would want this little cheat sheet right here because mm-hmm. that has yeah. all the answers. It has a lot. Right. It has almost everything. We try to put everything, and if we don't, then the, the font people let smaller. me know. The font gets smaller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, or we're going to have to add more more sheets. Todd did mention he can't read it because he's old. Yeah, yeah so. but I have the glasses. Okay. So yeah, okay. It's a reminder to have the readers. Celebrating glasses. Readers. Oh, yeah. maybe we'll have like have branded Ogdenite readers. I think that that's not a bad idea. Or yeah. when I see you, maybe just like one large print. An, a large print edition. Just edition, just for me. Just a, just a one for me. And it's one it's like when you go to Starbucks and they have the weird names for sizes. We have a Todd Obendorfer size for print, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. it is like 150 font. I've, em- <laughs> I've embraced it. Okay, I'm not that blind. <laughs> but this is applying I'm almost to now there. Like, like menus. I had a hard time with the menu. I do it. have this. I don't know if you can see. A little magnifying this, this, glass? Yeah, it is a magnifying yeah. glass bookmark. <gasps> oh, so it's a bookmark. And then there, can, that's amazing. See. see, if you carry that with you, that's just the thing. Though. I have to yeah. remember yes. to keep the readers on me, so. As where can we find who prints I it and where can we that. find the Ogdenite? Alice Printing does the pocket guides. They're yeah. amazing. And you can find theogdenite.com. Okay. For all of our articles and on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I'm trying to get more active on Twitter. And who, so how many that, have you printed? This is we're three. You, we're, so this is three. So if you're collecting these. December will be our fourth issue. So you need to track back the last three of these if you want to collect all of them. Yes, they may or may not be out there anymore. I don't know. That's the hunt. They go pretty quickly. I'm printing more every round. Yeah. Just okay, so you're on the, the third. So how many did you print for the first, second, third? Like what sort of? We did 1,000, and then we did 1,500 on this last one. And so I think we're going to have to keep increasing. Yeah? So we can distribute in Ogden up in the valley. And yeah. So where do we find all them? The, all the places. Right now, almost every bar, restaurant, coffee shop downtown. Because um, you're already visiting all of the bars. All the coffee so. shops. And I'm already at all the bars. That's yeah. easy. Easy <laughs> drop off. <laughs> that was a, what is that supposed to be? Todd knows. <laughs> if you follow any of the Instagram, okay, you're going to okay, see okay. that she visits. Not only does she walk the walk. Well, no, she walks and she talks. The whole deal, like the whole package, you uh, you hit so many events over the course of the week. I don't know how you do it. I truly, I just love to do it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what it is. doesn't seem like so many late nights when that's just what you want to do. Each I night, just love so. to do it. It's my playground. It's my yeah. workspace. It's where business connections happen and creativity flows. Getting 100%. out. 100%. So the Ogdenite have a, any social media place right now is are they on facebook do you have a website we're on facebook instagram, instagram twitter trying to get better at at t- my tweets i forget about twitter yeah make, we'll just make sure we, what nine so bucks eight bucks a month you can get verified todd we, yeah I don't know. we're not we're not i don't Would think you? we're paying but we, we've been on twitter forever and i have i forgot so 
Yeah, I just forgot I to tweet. I haven't logged into our Twitter for years. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Maybe that's it right there. We're gonna we would have been famous by now. start tweeting. We'd have, we would have had a blue uh-huh. check mark. They wouldn't even made us pay. You're they would have just right. sponsored it. You're probably yeah. right. Oh, we'd have to pay now, but like before. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, Ogdenite is everywhere, right? Instagram, all the places. Yeah, all the places. Instagram and Facebook mostly. Um, do you have an TikTok. online? Do you have an online we're version thinking. of your, of the the crib sheet? The yes, we're getting a new website soon, so oh, it'll good, be good. on there. So when we drop one of these, there will be all the extended versions of the articles we pick. In the editors' oh. picks, we pick um, a local read, watch, dine, and listen, and that's really fun. So those will all be articles on the website. And uh, yeah, it's growing. We're waiting. We're so excited for the new website, and we have new, uh, more publications coming. What's your ETA on the website? I'm getting excited. Theogdonite.com. No, oh, ETA. The ETA. Oh. The, the, when should I expect it? <laughs> and the whatever other I, initials, yeah. I need to ask that my designer that okay. question. Yeah, so I'm hoping in the next month. Oh, perfect, perfect. So pretty soon. Yeah. Pretty soon. Soon. Oh, yeah. Congratulations soon. on all Thank of you. that. Yeah, Is it going in the direction you want? It's like, what's, so fun. Oh, everything's happening so fast. Like, what's the. It's happening very fast. <laughs> it's my wildest dream to have a, a, my own publication, something that I feel that Ogden has needed for a long time. So you, are you content to sort of sit where you're at right now, or are you still moving forward? What's the... I'm so content right now. I love these pocket guides, but oh, I, 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 I really do think that there's so much more I want to cover, and I want to bring print back. One of the reasons I started is because I'm passionate about print, and I think that we are sometimes tired of staring at our phones all the time and I would love something just to bring print back and preserve it the art of good writing so I do want an, a longer publication and we're working on that right now oh fantastic do you think yeah. it's always going to stay pocket size or where do you see no. it in, I know uh, we want to stay with the little years, tiny theme yeah, yeah. So, so it might be small but not that small it won't be pocket size it'll smaller. be big She's enough thinking for about going smaller we want Todd to be place. able to read it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so. so we're talking eight and a half by 11 magazine size is what you're talking about. We're discussing with our, uh, our printer the d- different options, but it will be bigger than pocket-sized, and we would love for it to be a weekly, and we want to cover every musician and author, all the events going on, and it's just there's so much happening in Ogden that we have plenty for – a weekly publication. So, well, okay. all the news. I'm, I'm super proud of all the work you've done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm, all right. We're gonna. I'm gonna quiz you. Oh so no. Study the guide. You got Did a you minute. Study the guide. Study. Study the guide. Um. I, no, I didn't. Oh, I didn't study. I, oh, I have the cheat sheet right yeah, here. She, I won't look at it. She can't look at it. And I'm gonna okay. ask her the event in just in just a minute. So study, and then let's bring in our adventure guests. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Today, uh, yeah, Troy Edward Calentine, and Jules. Edward. How do you say the last name? Goo, 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 googly, googly, it googly, just like sound. Okay. Googly, uh, snow basin ski team. Now, Jules, you're apparently important because <laughs> <laughs> we're <laughs> announcing it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> because this is a big year for you. There's some new stuff going on. You want to hit that first? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so I am the new. Uh, program director for the Schemo program at the uh, Snow Basin Ski Team. So um, first year for Schemo. First year for Schemo. Um, How long did it take you to talk Troy and Co into this? Probably maybe two years ago, and when we we did that, uh, I 
I pitched him the idea first of an uphill event at Snow Basin at the mm-hmm. end of the year. There was a sunrise to sunset, uphill travel, end of the year, um, human-powered skiing kind of celebration. And uh, we had a decent turnout, you know, for a first-year event. That was kind of last minute a little bit. We didn't do a ton of marketing or anything. Um, and I was like, man, it would be... Uh, it'd be awesome to have a schema program in the Ogden area because in my mind, it's the perfect spot, right? We have so many uh, high schools around, so many kids that are doing endurance sports already, mountain biking. Um, mountain biking took off. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Um, we have all the mountains. We have Snow Basin. We have Powder Mountain. We have Nordic Valley. We got the backcountry around Ben Lomond. Um, and then we also have the industry. We have Amr um, Sports, you know, Atomic, mm-hmm. Solomon, Gear 30. Um, okay, so so yes, Gear 30. But let me tell you, let me tell you a little story here. <laughs> so, ten, nine years ago, we tried to bring Schemo to Ogden. Our buyer at the time brought all, a bunch of Schemo product. A lot of Camp. Camp was mm-hmm. popular back then. Uh, Camp's still in the scene, but it's more like Scarpa and uh, La Sportiva, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, we brought a lot of camp in and we brought all the schemo stuff in and we did a little race uh up at nordic mm-hmm. and boy it was hard to get going it just i think we were about five years early what are your thoughts on it's that? Uh, a very niche sport in this mm-hmm. area is in the u.s i would say it's it's huge in europe um so usually when i try to explain what schemo is to the average outdoor enthusiast. I think right now would be a good time to explain yeah, that. I have no idea what that <laughs> is. For instance, it's just for DM. I like so it's ski mountaineering. And okay. that still doesn't make a lot of sense for most people. As opposed to where else you ski. <laughs> so usually I, I like to <laughs> <In the valley. laughs> yeah. I, I like to tell people it's backcountry ski racing. Because okay. a lot of people will know what backcountry skiing is. It's basically you ski uphill with skins on and then you Take your ski, your skins off. You lock your boots. You clip back in, and then you ski down. Uh-huh. Uh, so a lot of people around here in the area, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, they do. There's a big backcountry culture, but the racing side of it is not very. It's almost. It's kind of uh, the same thing with mountain biking. The downhill enduro guys and the XC cross country guys. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's very similar sports, but yet they, it's two very different uh, tribes, if you will. You know? But this is a big deal because, um, so with the ski team, obviously you can become a pro skier. With the ski mountaineering team in the past, what are you, you going to do? You're just going to beat all your friends. But now there's options, right? Now there's options. Yeah. It got added to the Olympics, Winter Olympics uh, in oh. 2026. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because of that, the sport is growing a lot um, in the U.S. Um, and it's just it's going to be an exciting time to be part of it. Uh, 2030, 20, Salt Lake, possibly an option for the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it is, and the kids that are starting now, they're going to be the candidates to represent the U.S. in 2030. So it's, uh, it's a cool time to be part of it. It's a cool time to kind of surf that wave of, yeah. of growth in the sport. It doesn't happen very often when there's a new sport that – is gonna hit the big stage and you kind of jump on the bandwagon you know so what's cool. what's your experience in the sport i my background in sports is uh i like to call myself an endurance mountain athlete i'm primarily compete as a professional mountain biker endurance and then and i've moved in ogden maybe five years ago and i started skiing in the winter to do some cross training i didn't want to just stay indoors or ride the trainer i would just go crazy so I started doing a lot of cross-country skiing, and then I, I found backcountry skiing in Schema, and I was like, man, this is, this is awesome. Like, 
I've, I've been here five years. I've never bought a season pass because I couldn't afford it really. And if you was backcountry gear, you don't, you can ski wherever you want, you know, as long as it's not on private land. Yeah. Uh, and there's a beauty to the sport where you can, you can go wherever you want as long as it's, you know, as long as it's off of avalanche danger terrain. But it's unlike trail running or mountain biking where you follow a trail here, you can, you can draw your own trail. Um, and I think that's something pretty special about backcountry skiing in general. Uh, there's something really nice about being in the mountains and going where you want to go and not relying on ski lifts or cross-country skiing runs being groomed. You can, I, I, I'm a little biased, but I think it's the ultimate form of skiing because you do it on your mm -hmm. own terms. Jules, wh where are you from? Uh, originally from France, but I grew up in California. Okay, so did you? Were you? Wh when were you first exposed to the sport? In, in other words, was it here? Or it was here. Yeah. Okay. It was here uh, three years ago, and okay. then being a very competitive person, I kind of went all in and did it all winters yeah. and. Uh, Started racing all around the U.S., raced in Canada last year, and made the national team. So this year I'm, I'm part of the uh, Team USA Schema national team. I'll be doing some World Cups in Europe. Wow. And then trying to bring that experience back to the kids here with the Schema program. So you're coaching the Schema program, and you have time for that, apparently, to yep. do that and, and race professionally. Yep. So I found, uh, you know, my friend Colby, Colby Wayne. I used air quotes. Should I not have used air quotes with professionally? Uh, you're, right, exactly. you're a pro? Yeah. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional mountain athlete because my, <laughs> my real job is I'm a graphic designer okay. during the day and I'm okay. an athlete at night. Or Weird how those oh. arts and adventures oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, blend. So Perfect. Awesome. I have a uh, Colby that you've known. Uh, Wayman. Wayman. He'll yeah. be assistant coach as well as my partner, Hannah. Um, and the plan is to have them, if case I'm kind of racing. Kobe's, why doesn't he brag more? You, he's nobody a very, he's knows a very humble how, guy. Yes, he <laughs> is. Yeah, he just goes out and crushes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's probably the, he was probably the first person in the Ogden area that I knew who was also into that sort of going fast uphill. Mm -hmm. So we instantly bonded and uh, been pretty, pretty close ski partners for the last couple of years. Um, we both enjoy the same sort of crazy adventures. Um, last last spring, we skied from Mainlands. So we parked at 29th Street, hiked up, skied up Mainlands to the uh, Jane, uh, to Allen Peak, back mm -hmm. of Snow Basin, skied down Snow Basin, down Old Snow Basin Road, up to Lewis Peak, down to the Divide, and up to Ben Loman. So the goal was to do uh, the no. Ogden skyline traverse. That is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. In one in one go. In one go, uh, and Colby would would have been the, is the only person that I know who would have been up for it. <laughs> so. yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's some silent crushers in this town, mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't know their name, but they're they're the Colbys. Colby's definitely yeah. one of them. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Troy, what is your position with the ski team, and who's the faster downhill skier, you or Jules? Oh, good question. <laughs> uh, well, so I'm the president of the Snow Basin Sport Education Foundation, and we're the 501c3 that operates the ski team. So um, our DBAs are the Alpine team, the free ride team, and now we've added Schema. So I've been president for three years, on the board for five um, in this run. I was on the board about 15 years ago as well. Um, I'd venture to guess I'm faster than him on the downhill, but it's probably an unfair <laughs> advantage because my boots and skis are made for that and his are made for going up and down yeah but if you check jules on strava 
I'll guarantee you no one is faster than him going up on a mountain bike. Well, there might be one or two. Guys, I don't know. It's in, it's it's unbelievable to see his times in relation to everyone else on the mountain. It's it's crazy how fast he is uphill. So, um, so yeah, I guess uh, some of that history. Yeah, a couple of years ago, Jules and I met um, with an opportunity to run a post-season uphill event. We'd already been running. The ski team ran a, a full moon um, series up at Snow Basin. So on the full moon nights, they open up uh, the route, the uphill route, early for us to be able to run a um, a, uh, a full moon event. So it's been a lot of fun exposure for the for the ski team, and as well to help the resort um, to publish their policy on what the uphill route is and the guidelines and procedures for it are. Um, with uphill being, I, I just want to clarify because yeah. you said full moon and exposure in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, that, whatever, that, man. Yeah, that it anything is, goes, um, <laughs> anything okay, goes, okay, Brandon. Okay. If you come to the party, you'll see. <laughs> Got you. Um, okay. <clears throat> so, so we were already operating that, um, you know, once a month basically, and and so um, and the resort has a great relationship with us, a really good partner of the ski team, and so, um, so we collaborated and. Like Joel said, we put together the event. It was a bit of a challenge to pull off because it was post-season. And so our insurance no longer covered that additional event. And, and the resort requires a, some indemnity and some additional insurance. So to find an, a carrier to cover the event just took us a little while. So we only had about 10 days to advertise. And I think we ended up with about 120 people. So about 120 kids showed up and ad, adults and everybody else. And it's ran fairly similar to like uh, El Doce or something where, you know, you got to, we basically ran a three, six and 12 hour option for people to do it. However many laps they could do in that amount of time. And, um, who won that first, first one, some kid, some young kid. And he did like 13 laps in that time frame. Oh. He was, he had support at the base and it was fun. We're, and we're going to run that again this year. So we have it slated on the calendar. In fact, I don't want to steal Jules's thunder on it, but we'll be running the full moon event Again, this year, um, ideally, we're going to package it as a, a series with the with the postseason event being the the grand hoorah, and um, so. Very good. Um, can explain what the difference is between the resort snow basin and the team snow basin. Yeah, so the resort, you know, is the resort. Their um, you know private company owns the owns the land and lease up the resort, um, and we are a nonprofit partner. So we were no no formally affiliated with the resort in any kind of financial capacity or um, anything other than we operate with the permission to use their name underneath our. When I say their name, it's in addition to our uh, sport education foundation uh, title. And you train on you train there obviously, do. but you also train at Nordic. Yeah, we train both at Snow Basin and Nordic, and also out in Park City at the Olympic Park. So we train wherever our kids can get the best training, at least for our Alpine race team. I saw pictures of you guys doing hills in, like you were running hills because yeah, yeah. it, it hadn't snowed yet. Sure. Uh, and so the team was out, sort of getting in shape. And mm -hmm. um, so when what's the season? For when um, when do you start? We get on snow as soon as possible. So our kids are leaving this week to go to Sun Valley. They open up Sun Valley for the race camps about a week before Thanksgiving. So we get to go up there and run um, down that side, the college run, basically it's called. So that all the bunch of division one national teams will be there. A lot of the local race teams, you know, uh, Snow Basin, Park City, Snowbird, um, the Sun Valley teams, a bunch of bogus base and et cetera. They all show up and, uh, and train there before. So our, our kids are all getting started now. Some will go to Colorado or have already been to Colorado. Um, and then the full season starts really the first week of December for our, our full group of athletes. And um, so, so, yeah. so you have like traditional ski racing. Yes. And then you also have 
free ride and then yeah. introducing this year's ski mountaineering schema for sure mm -hmm. so uh yeah talk about the different like modalities you you can get into as, yeah sure so because as a parent you can sort of maybe determine what your kid's better at and say hey mm -hmm. take take them and do the free ride or the slalom or whatever yeah so we so a lot of people are probably familiar with the devo program the snow basin resort ran um we started that as a club about 10 years ago or so um, and it grew to a pretty good size. I think we had about 60 kids or so. Mm. And at that time, it made more, most sense to partner with the ski resort to use their instructors and, and um, you know, just their capital to staff it. It's it just a kind of a big machine to run with that number of kids. And, and honestly, that younger group that's like uh, herding cats a little bit. So it's, it, was, it was nice to partner with them. So that uh, program we now have back. And so we run a, a program for five and six-year-olds called Snow Stars or... Um, now it's called the uh, Devo Mini. Is that uh, the youngest? Five that's and the six. youngest, yeah, five to six. And there is a there is an ability requirement to join that program. So we require that they can ski basically most blue runs from the top down and from age five and six, and they have to have some verification. How many parents cheat that? Lots. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see this year. I mean, year, I right? would. <laughs> we'll see this year. Uh, and then the rest of that program basically is seven to 12 for the Devo kids. Um, and then along the way, a lot of these kids, like you mentioned, they don't know what they're most interested in right at age mm -hmm. five six seven um some will real naturally just be really fast and aggressive and want to compete and just want to go kill it on the on the race hill so they want to go fast and do giant slalom slalom just super g stuff so they come to our alpine program and then plenty of others want to just hit big jumps powder that kind of stuff and they end up in our free ride program which is like it sounds it's free ride um the great thing about adding schemo for us, I think, is we'll see, I have a feeling this year, we don't have it yet, but our, we anticipate quite a few of our alpine and even freeride athletes um, actually crossing over and doing a little bit of both, mm -hmm. doing some of the schemo stuff for, for almost like an in-between training session, get some additional endurance build. Um, these kids, at the age of 13, 14, if they're in the competitive alpine program, ski six, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're always out there doing something, and they're um, really ambitious kids, so they need that extra that training and having the endurance and so do you have kids already jules that have signed up for the the schemo part or how we, does that work we have yeah a few uh, it's okay. been it's been tough because a lot of people don't know what schemo is so it's it's tough to sell it's year one a new program to yeah. people who don't really haven't really seen it around yeah um something that i want to add on what troy just said is um I think the schema program will be a little bit unique because it's not just a race team where we, we train with the goal of racing. It's also definitely an education aspect to it, to mountain safety, snow science. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when I moved here four years ago and I tried, it was the first time living in mountains and trying to learn all the nuances of avalanche safety. It's overwhelming, even as a as an adult. Um, it's, it's crazy, and it was crazy to me to to, to learn that none of the h local high schools teach that to kids even though they live right by the mountains and they could go on the weekend with their parents snowmobiling snowshoe and ski and people you know accidents happen well all I, time. I liken it to like if if todd and i were mountain people would m move to like southern california and we'd get eaten alive by riptide or something trying right. to surf like yeah. we have no idea yeah, you don't know how to, we don't know, know the terrain or anything or how to help someone who's drowning for example like, yeah for me it, it seems like it should be obvious that if high schools by the coast or high schools by the mountains should yeah. should teach some i went to high school in san francisco and we learned all about earthquakes you know <laughs> there's that <laughs> so you know and then it was it becomes how fast nature. can you get under a desk pretty quick 
Okay. So, you know, it's uh, living in the mountains. It's such it's a unique playground. And it's it's scary, though, because it's um, a lot. So of do you have to have like beacon shovel probe to be on the team? Like, how does it work? Uh, you don't need it to be on the team because we'll be training inbounds a lot. But okay. um, the crowbar race in Logan, for example, it's 100 percent backcountry. So depending on the events we would go to, um, the goal is to teach kids how to use all the equipment to at least do some um, avalanche one on one teaching. Uh, try probably hit up Corey with uh, Ogden Avalanche Center. Try and start teaching kids at a young age in a little bit. So then, by the time they're my age, it's second nature, and they don't need to, to stress too much about it. Yeah. But for some some of the racing at Powder Keg, they require uh, you know Avalanche yeah. safety gear, which this it's kind of a joke. The the schema race uh, safety gear. It's kind of a plastic, almost like sand shovel that is yeah, kind I mean, of useless. It is, my yeah. Mind. Uh, I think you'll know when you make it when you, uh, you get yelled at by a parent because the kid didn't make the Olympic team. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping we don't get there like too quickly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would love I love being competitive and I think com- competition can bring a lot of good out of people. But um, what's special about schema, similar to mountain biking, it really is a lifelong sport. Uh, it's not just like you have to make it before you're 18 or otherwise your careers Mm -hmm. forget about it or you go to college and then forget about it like Mm -hmm. you can do this your whole life you know i mean i started when i was in my mid-20s and um i'm so old (laughs) 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 so you know i i definitely um approaching this program with kind of a uh i try to think of it like a healthy mental attitude towards sport and competition in general um you know if kids want to be competitive and want to race as much as possible awesome but that's it's not the goal you know um, the goal is for them to to be able fit enough to travel in the mountains to do it safely and to have fun really yeah and then i think after like the first season then you'll create schemo fomo right and I, I, i'm pretty sure that's what it is especially yeah. for like uh, high schoolers it's like if your friend does it then you want to do that's it where it's at yeah you, know? you get in with the because the mountain biking took off and you know because you're a mountain biker yeah. so if you can get high school uh schemo teams d- your job is done <laughs> that's that's the plan <laughs> <laughs> troy talk talk to me about the um i'm a parent and i and i want to get my kid involved sees i mean we're going to talk about this. The season starts Friday, essentially. You know, um, what if what if it's February and I notice, oh my gosh, my kid's skiing so good. I, he's going to be a pro racer. I want to start now. Like, can you join any time? How do they get a hold of you? How do they start? What are the parameters? How does that all work? For sure, yeah. The interweb. Check us out. <laughs> Snowbasinskiteam.org uh, is <laughs> where you find all the, the questions. Okay. Answers well, virtually all of them, right? We do have an FAQ page which answers most of them. And uh, yeah, mid-season, if someone wants to join, we'll evaluate our capacity and uh, see if we have the ability to bring them on. We can prorate, uh, you know, the the rate for the season and, and help out and get it done. Um, you know, we're a pretty flexible team in that regard. And um, if a kid's excelling and wants to be part of the club and the team, that's that's our goal. Um, the reason the board exists is really in part to try and create uh, the most affordable option for kids to be able to engage in ski racing, free ride, and now schema as well. Um, it's not a cheap sport. Um, in particular, the ski racing scene is really expensive. So most of our job is, is a, at least as a board, is around fundraising and um, you know subsidizing the tuition and the expense of the sport. So um, yeah, if we have a kid mid-season, we're, we're all, all about bringing them in and helping uh, develop that skill set and making better humans along the way and everything else. You have options for scholarships? We do, yeah. We've uh, our, uh, 
one of our great supporters, Scotty Hoffman. Uh, he's an ex-pro ski racer. Grew up, his dad ran the ski team like 40 years ago. So Snow Basin Ski Team has been around for almost 62 years, I think it is. And uh, anyway, Scotty's dad ran the club a long time ago and then been through a few iterations. But um, he's been really instrumental in helping uh, procure donors for scholarship funds. And each of our fundraiser events, we have opportunities to donate to the scholarship fund. And we've, we've gotten really good traction on that. So we have a financial needs-based scholarship opportunity. And then we have like an achievement-based and a merit-based. So we have different options that come out. So if a kid makes it to... Uh, say they're in schemo and they make it to a, a national event. Um, it, you know, you've got hotel, travel, maybe some new gear that you need to participate in that event. Um, we'd, we'd let them apply for, or at least petition for, a merit-based scholarship. If a kid just comes in and, um, you know, is just a little bit cash-strapped and probably wouldn't ski otherwise, then we have the ability to, to tap into some of those funds and help provide support in the tuition. We always like some skin in the game. So, you know, we want to see some some commitment financially and then also the ability to to get to and from the resort and everything else, of course. But yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't know if we talked about this, but the, my, my instructor, the person who taught me how to ski, his name was Bob Miller. He was in Ogden, uh, I believe from Montana, because he was on the Weber State University ski team on oh, wow. scholarship. Yeah, cool. A really long time ago. Yeah. Um, so I raced for Weber State as well from like 94 through 90. Nine, yes, that's five years. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, 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 no shame. No shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good times. Um, Bob Skinner was our coach. He's out of Park City right now. Um, crazy fun guy. If you ever meet Bob, you'll, you'll have a good time. No matter. Are there any at. school uh, universities out west that have ski scholarships have, like that anymore? Or? So Weber State was a, what's called a club team, a USCSA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know the history with Bob and, and the stages then, but um, we had some subsidies of sorts it wasn't really a scholarship but there was some ability to participate in the team um at a discounted rate given performance and some other things um but there was no real scholarship um we have crazy high level ski racing at utah or at the university of utah um they're division one school ncaa and they they've won the national champs several times so they're mm. they're massive they're huge they're they bring in norwegians and um not the norwegians top top of the top tier skiers i mean these guys are they're world cup skiers competing at the college level for sure. Westminster's the same. They're technically a Division II school, but they compete in the Division I races. So there's there's amazing ski racing right here locally um, at the Alpine level, and we hope to make Skimoa the same you know kind of thing. There's It's grown like crazy, right? Snowbird started a team this year, um, Silver Fork and Park City. Park City's Park huge. City's got yeah, one, and then there's yeah. Silver Fork, which is, I think they train out of, is that Brighton? They, they train out of Brighton. So And now we've got enough demand up here to, to support starting one, and I'm confident once we get that word out and get a little bit of buzz going there's going to be ample demand to to where we'll have to start screening the yeah <laughs> you know yeah, the applicants yeah. and then we'll have we'll have a short list of sorts i love it um i want to just tap in real quick one of the cool things about ogden as well amazing arts and culture and adventure but other uh, non-profit collaborations so ogden avalanche is a great supporter with the ski team they're doing a know before you go class for us and our team um, and they support us on some on snow clinics during the winter as well so just to lean in what jules was saying it's it's pretty wild i think that our local kids don't learn avalanche safety even if they don't ski they could be hiking up you know birch creek or one of these places locally right in their backyard and be in the terrain and be in in the zone and and not know what to do and so we as a ski team uh, we don't necessarily require an accreditation in in 
um, avalanche safety, but we do require some participation in those know before you class go classes, which is enough to scare you out of going certain places at the very least. That's what they're for you. Yeah. Open your eyes to what the next steps are. So, um, we highly encourage that, that, uh, that endeavor and, and love that relationship with Ogden Avalanche and the local groups that to help teach it. Brandon, you should look into those guys. Ogden, <laughs> Ogden Avalanche? Ogden I could probably put you in connection. Put that in your I notes. could put you in contact with someone. Yeah. I, appreciate that. I appreciate that. You need yeah. to run? You need to get out of here? No, I think I'm going to go you for good? That. Yeah. Okay. You got an yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang tight. Okay, I got a, right. I got a text back. We're good to hold tight. I'm a, Todd. I'm a I'm officially the secretary of Ogden Avalanche, and so I tried to get them to call me the manceptionist, but it didn't. Ri- I don't know why it didn't work. But. Yeah, I would I would have given that a thumbs down as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on that board, but <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I got a quick question for Deanne, if I can. Yeah. Sure. Um, so we run our full moon uh, series uh-huh. uh, through the winter. It's tons of fun. It's just a public event. Um, whether we charge or not to be determined, but typically it's just been free with an ask for a donation. Can events like that advertise or be sort of mentioned in your publication? And how does that work? Like how could we connect to get that stuff out there? Yes. I would love to list it all listings, um, in the goings on about O town. That's every Wednesday. So that we, we list everything. If you send a request, we'll list it. So your event has to be on a Wednesday. So no, I mean we we post it. We post it, yeah. Only Wednesday we'll events. Move it to th- Wednesdays. Well, every Wednesday we post the week, the week of events from That's Wednesday awesome. to yeah for the for the till the following Tuesday. And I assume if we just so, check out the interweb with your Ogdenite.com. Yep, you can send a request to the, the request. email there, Deanne at the Ogdenite.com. I got that email from you earlier. Yes, and so please <laughs> send any events, and it doesn't have to be just arts. It could be adventure, of course, because cool. arts and adventure go I appreciate hand this. in hand. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. Definitely. Well, we're, we yeah. plan to make the Schemo events more accessible to our local public. There's, mm-hmm. If anyone's been to Snow Basin in the early morning for their uphill access, it's crazy. I mean, there's 200 people sometimes that show up and, and just do the uphill route. They make one to two laps before the resort opens. And uh, so Mind you, the, you got to get there wow. early. you yeah. got to get there early, yeah, because it closes at 8.30. You have to be descending by 8.30, I believe. So a lot of people start at 6, I think it opens at 6 a.m. usually or something, 5 or 6. They, Those they have a, warm mornings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> jump out of bed. Just yeah, jump this out is out really hot cool. fast up there. I think yeah. everybody should know about that. So yeah, and it's, it's a cool opportunity to be on the mountain. Um, you know, at night we get uh, we get some great sponsors come up. Gear 30 has actually supported us. Yep. They've, they've brought some... Uh, what do you call it? Demo skis. So if you don't have yeah. gear, they, there was the ability to check really? that out. I got to call the guy, the guy I know down there, see if we could still get that worked <laughs> out for this season. Um, but yeah, it's a ton of fun to come learn about one. What's the uphill policy for the resort? Because not every resort allows it, and Snow Basin does, but it's under certain parameters. You got to wristband and look at the time and the schedule and everything else. So you need um, lights. You have to have lights. Yep, you have to have a headlamp and then uh, a red one on your backpack, correct? Yeah. So you have to be able to see, be seen from both directions because mm-hmm. they do have snow cats, winch cats, snowmobiles on the mountain during the night. And if you're not visible, Chris Blatt. And you need to know That's the really route. Cool. You need to know the route. Yeah. All skill levels. I've I've seen people race up. All ages. And I've <laughs> seen people hike up it. I've seen people run it. Snowshoes, you know, like. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, s- skis, snowboards. Stuff. I would probably have to be rescued, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> but I'm very adventurous, but I don't know if... I'll stick with skiing, beginning skiing. Bring some boots with those little, uh, what do you call them? Little straps going on your feet? Some little crampons. Some crampons, yeah. Crampons? Okay. Todd, what do you have for arts information? 
All right, so I pulled a couple of articles oh, here. Uh, real quick, move that mic. Yeah, so I don't can, know how that's yeah. going to work because Does it keep popping? I need a thing. Oh, you need a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Give me another arm. I need an iPad arm. Okay, okay. Yeah, here. I'll order one. Yeah. Uh, so those of you that have been tracking this at home, the state of Utah has officially chosen the new design for the Utah state flag. Did, did you even know that this was a thing, Brandon, that they... Yeah, have I been saw, on the lookout. Yeah, so yeah. it's been some yeah. time now. I, saw, I, saw, I voted. You I voted. Nice. Yeah. I've even know some people that submitted <laughs> some designs for yeah. it. Yeah, right? we, we do so, know. I know someone who's, I like his flag way better, but anyway. Yeah. And so let me let me tell you about this. Yeah, mine didn't win. <laughs> I was going to show you if this was your design here, so this isn't yours. I mean, not mine that I did, <laughs> that I designed, I, the one I voted for. Today. All right, so I'm going to point this at the camera, and then I'll describe it. Is this showing up on the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's blue on top. Um, kind of gives you a sense. It's I think waving. Jules might like it. It looks sort of French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure where that, but that part is. Um, <laughs> all right. So a beehive and a mountain range are the prominent features of the design a state task force is recommending to be the new Utah state flag. So it hasn't, it is being recommended, but as you know, it still has to go through those final steps. Oh, I thought it was done. Right. And so it'll pass okay. most likely, okay. but... Uh, uh, the final design announced Tuesday by the Utah State Flag Task Force. What wasn't I invited to that? We thing? have one of those. It was for this <laughs> particular. <laughs> it's going to disband. Seriously. And how do I get on? This that? was a limited time only. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's a combination of two of the top five finalists. I like that idea. Submitted by Mark Brooks of Bountiful and Serena Ergot of South Jordan. All right. Who do they know? Er- well. Ergot works for the state ah, ah. Uh, in the Department of Cultural and Fixed. Community Engagement. But that being said, this was a, this was a community-wide okay, vote. Okay. Uh, those, those designs were selected from how many submissions? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask all the way around. Uh, how, many, how many do you think that we got? Uh, can, I'm going to give it uh, 1,120. 85. 92. I already, I already saw you it. saw it already? Okay. Okay. Uh, Five thousand seven hundred and three. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So when the state of Utah does a call, I'll tell you what. Look at that response. Wow. But I like that because remember when they did a call to name the tugboat, and it was like tugboat McTugboat Face or something that's like that. Remember, remember that? Yeah. yeah, that was the best name in the history. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why leaving those things up to the public is either brilliant or the opposite. Or the brilliant. opposite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, out of those 5,703, more than 3,200 from adults, which means 2,500 from students. I like that idea, too. Yeah. The final design takes elements from the two designs that the public ranked the highest. Uh, let me give you a little description oh. of it. Um, oh, Here's a, a few words from Governor Spencer Cox. This is the first time in history that we have a flag that has public input. I like that idea. A lot of the public input. The public built this flag, he said. The final design won't be... Up to the public, but up to the Utah legislature. So that's that final vote to pass that. At the flag center. So is that Todd? Is video. that like because you're in the arts? Is that like when you propose something to a client on the graphic design thing, and then they say, "Let me just tweak it a little bit," and then the end project is nothing like the original? Yeah. I think it's more like what we've done with Ogden City's Arts Advisory Committee, where we sort Fair. of narrow things down and we make a recommendation to the mayor. The mayor gives it a thumbs up most of the time. Okay. Or a thumbs down if he says, eh, I'm not sure. feeling it. Right. Gotcha. Okay. And go through the process again. At the flag center is the state symbol, which no surprise to all of us that the beehive does makes it make it there. A nod to the progress and hard work, the task force said. It also is maintaining the symbolism of the state seal, which is featured in the current state flag. 
you were asking what's on the current state flag. It is, it's mostly just a very boring version of the state seal. The beehive is embedded in a hexagon called a symbol of strength and unity. Below the beehive is an eight-point star, which the task force said recognized the eight indigenous tribes of Utah, which I also like that idea. So if you have not seen it yet, you must take a look at it. The top of the flag takes the traditional blue color, also carried over from the current flag. The color, the task force said, points to natural resources, freedom, and optimism. And what's on the bottom? The bottom half is, uh, so it's red, white, blue, and yellow. So your art has a lot to say about Utah and its politics. Have you already thought about this flag in, in, a, in a way to express it in your in your art and, and screen print? This particular one? No. In fact, I just saw this recently. Okay. I mean, I, I voted, but I didn't see that they had narrowed it down until, like, okay. you know, just recently. So that's this is the final... Yeah, this is the final recommendation. I like it. Final recommendation. Okay. Yeah, I think it's yeah. good. I think it'll get the thumbs up. It's I do like Michael Aaron from Keel Salt Lake. He did a Jello salad mold in, yeah. instead of the <laughs> beehive. I like that version. It's a green Jello salad. Yeah, yeah. But that's nice. I I like yellow. It's my favorite. That would have been an interesting choice as well. Yeah. All right, you share, and then I got one more thing to share. Okay, so uh, man, the season started. Troy, this is the earliest season ever, right? So pretty cool. Um, Moose's Loose mm-hmm. Party at Snow Basin on Thursday. They're, they will do a uh, uh, what was it, rail comp on Thursday. And then uh, they got a DJ. They got food, dancing. So you can't go up the mountain on Thursday. But Friday, Snow Basin opens. Earliest season opening. Wow that we know of on record backcountry bash. And so dis- that's December 1st, uh, Ogden avalanche fundraiser at the front. And then for those of you who just can't stop climbing, can't stop December 17th is the O town Throwdown climbing comp at the front Utah resort open dates. Okay. So Alta November 18th beaver to be announced. Brian head is open. Brighton is open. Cherry Peak to to be announced, Deer Valley, December 3rd, Eagle Point, December 16th, Nordic is December 9th, which props to Nordic. This is Uh, exciting. Updated for Park City, November, is that a 16? That's tomorrow. Okay. Powder Mountains to uh, to be announced, Snow Basin's the 18th, Uh, The Bird is also the 18th, Solitude's open. Sundance is the ninth and Woodward Park City to be announced. So things are opening. And then the other last article I had, and I pulled this one up because you don't often see these, but, um, you know, what do you do? I don't know if you guys have training for this. What do you do if you encounter a wolf on the slopes? This is an actual article out of Colorado because they are reintroducing wolves to the Colorado backcountry, and so out of Snow Brains, they have an entire article about this. It's like, well, what if you encounter a wolf on the slopes? Because people are very nervous about this now. See, uh, wolf snacks, right? You make sure and have wolf snacks. Yeah, on yeah. Do you guys train yeah, for this while race? Just drop your jerky out of your pocket <laughs> and ski like hell. Uh, it says, in the extreme, extreme unlikely event that you encounter a wolf, biologist and wolf expert, it's the job, of Oliver Starr, who has survived a wolf attack, by the way. Well, then he gets that position. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only qualification. Well, surviving, uh, I mean. Yeah. Has, give, has some helpful hints. His number one advice is do not run. There's this 
there's a thing coming up that's fantastic. Uh, wolves are what is referred to as a uh, coursing predators, which means they are hardwired to take their prey on the run. So if you run, you're, you're screwed. So don't ski away. Um, their reflex is to chase. Uh, and there is no chance you can outrun a wolf. But can you outski a wolf? Uh, you guys uh, might be able to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you join the ski Jules team, you probably could go uphill. I'd have to go downhill, and then <laughs> actually, if we get, if I'm with Jules and we encounter a wolf, I'll let him go uphill, and I'll ski away as fast as I can and see if he gets taken. The best thing you could do is to face off against the wolf and make yourself as big as possible. Take your poles and, and so snap. Like a mountain make, lion. Like a mountain lion. You can throw stones, wave your clothes above your head, and shout. If you happen to carry a gun, shoot in the air. It's very successful in, in, in sending a wolf running. Okay, this is the best part. Try not to fall. <laughs> don't. That's every <laughs> horror movie. That's every horror movie. The person that's running away that has never just fallen walking in their life. Oh, you just. <laughs> every time. Yeah. Every oh. time. <laughs> Especially if you're in hilly terrain. Again, this will trigger the wolf's instinct to go for weak prey. Oh. Do not fall. So don't play dead either. No, not again. So bears, you can sort of get away with that, but not. Um, oh, did I lose me? I lost me on this. What happened here? Let's see if that. Pulls back up again. I don't know what happened there? Um, yeah, don't don't play dead. Don't play dead. That's a bad idea. All right, Todd, take. I got to fix this camera. So. All right. So yeah. last week we were talking about uh, Sundance, and so I'll probably mention that every now and again. And so there was a brand new article about uh, the Slam Dance Film Festival, and so I thought I'd read about that. Are you guys familiar with Slam Dance? No. Okay. So Slam Dance has been around for. Let's see if it gives the years here. If it doesn't, it's been around for quite some time. Um, like Sundance to some degree, um, it went hybrid for the last couple of years, and so it's back. And so the Slam Dance Film Festival takes place during uh, the same week as Sundance. In this case, it's going to be January 20th through the 26th. They call it the scrappy companion to the larger Sundance Film Festival. Some people probably say that. Originally, the I think it was three or four men that started it. They were rejected year after year from Sundance. Oh, that's funny. And so, mm -hmm. in order to become essentially, when you had to apply, you know, your film for the festival, you had to have a rejection mm -hmm. letter from Sundance, right? I and love so that. that was like an actual rejection idea. letter. I don't know if they still do that anymore, but I kind of like that idea at first, right? And so they're going to be back. Um, I don't know if you. Th I thought this was kind of cool with the directing debut of a superstar music producer. Every now and again, there'll be kind of a big Sundance or Slam Dance name. Usually it's a little bit more obscure. <laughs> and a new free program at the University of Utah. Festival runs January 20th through 26th in venues in Park City and Salt Lake City. And it's also going to be online at the Slam Dance channel. And that's going to be January 23rd through the 29th. The festival coincides with the 2023 Sundance Film Festival, which runs the 19th through the 29th of January in the same places except for, you know, this one adds Sundance Mountain Resort and online. The university will play host to the in-person showcases for Slamdance's new Unstoppable program, any of the local programs I'm always interested in, mm -hmm. which was introduced during the festival's COVID-induced virtual years. Festival organizers announced just this past Tuesday, the program running January 23rd to the 26th that the U's Student Union Theater highlights films made by and about people with disabilities both visible and non-visible. I thought that was kind of interesting. Working with the University of Utah allows for a safe space for disabled filmmakers and an opportunity to bridge the gap between accessibility and film, uh, said the programmer, Juliet Romeo. 
Um, what else did I want? Oh, I wanted to tell you about Slam Dance's opening night film, set to screen Friday, January twentieth in Park City, is punk rock vegan movie. And so, who do you think directed that? Yeah, no idea. Who's the most famous vegan that there is right out there? Who's also in, does music as well? Anyway, the directorial debut of the electronic that. music producer Moby. Moby's like a no uh, Moby. vegan, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's a documentary that traces how punk rock became a fertile breeding ground for vegan activism. I think that would be a very interesting that's amazing. film. And I know that Moby would probably do a show out there that week, so that's kind of cool for me. I'll make sure I'm out there as well. You think Moby will be in town? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he's directing it, so he'll, yeah. he has to promote it so that he can sell it probably. That so. sounds awesome. Can we get them to like come air it here at the yes. Monarch or something? <laughs> and Why not? I bet show he would. I was, like, for real. So no, I'll bet he would. You I got think the connection. Thank you. Make it happen. I was just going to say that. Yeah. How, how can we get them in Ogden? Yeah, I'll reach out. Mm-hmm. Uh, tickets and passes for Slam Dance 2023 go on sale very soon. That's why I mentioned these things now. Uh, their tickets go on sale December 2nd at slamdance.com. I am going to be a that. slam dancer. Yeah. I love it. About uh, it. Slam Dance Films, yes. I see some of them sometimes. Um, there's sometimes a reason why they haven't been selected for Sundance. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not saying that every Sundance film is good. Uh, right. I have done, what did I say? Something like 23 Sundances in a row. Like the last uh-huh. two have been online, but I. I go up there each year and I'll stay for the week and watch a bunch of films and it doesn't mean that the film is like particularly but This sounds like how it was in good. the 90s, how yeah. the Sundance was in the 90s when I used to go. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I sometimes some, well, walked away wishing I hadn't seen Yeah, Sundance seen. has a pretty good track record for like the good of the good. Yeah. Right? But then there's always, you know, a whole bunch of films that never get released and if they do, it's late, late, mm-hmm. late night, you know, Cinemax back when you could mm-hmm. find those mm-hmm. or VHS back when that was a thing, mm-hmm. you know. These days, with all the streaming services, it's probably easier to find distribution than it was before. Mm-hmm. But I've seen some good ones at Slam Dance. I, Dean, that's right up your alley. Isn't yeah, it? I'm really there. I'm so I can't believe I hadn't heard about it. Probably yeah. because it's not in Ogden. I'm so Ogden. Yeah. <laughs> we need it to be in Ogden. I feel like Slam Dance is to Sundance what Ogden is to Park City. Exactly. Like so we, like, we like it's host. a perfect fit. We need to host there Slam Dance. We totally here. do. I'm gonna. <laughs> I will be working on that. I think Ogden would be a good satellite for yes. Slam Dance. Most yeah. of the people in Ogden got kicked out of Park City. At <laughs> That's yes. true. And you know what? I think Their Slam audience Dance, is here. Slam Dance would probably like it even more because Slam yeah. Dance was here for a long time. And then they pulled themselves out a couple of years ago. I, I'm assuming because yeah. it's just so removed, you know, like it yeah. really is quite a distance. But that was a Slam Dance would be like, oh, so Sundance doesn't mm-hmm. want you? On it, I was Maybe. gonna, <laughs> I was gonna appeal to Sundance to bring that back to Ogden, but I my sights are now set on Slam Dance. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place to be. Yeah. Okay, Deanne, I'm not gonna quiz you, but I am gonna ask you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, one event this one your number one can't miss event this weekend in Ogden. Oh, that's so hard. This week I haven't done the list yet. Mm. I haven't done the list yet, but. I I have to be biased. There are actually two things tomorrow. Without Patty. There are two things tomorrow. Well, there's always a good lineup at the Lighthouse. <laughs> um, no, I mean without Patty performing. Without <laughs> Because apparently he's the butt of the joke. In other words, yeah. you need to promote him more. Oh, I know. I know okay. what it is. Okay. The Bitter Price, and that is by Next Ensemble. It's Saturday and Sunday night at the Eccles Art Center. And it's... Uh, it, Famous podcaster. Uh, I think she writes about the journal. Todd Opendorfer. <laughs> this was a she. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a she does she reads. I think it's she's a historian. The wives of Joseph Smith, 
And it's paired with classical music, which sounds really intriguing. Did you say historian? I could have messed that up. I could have totally messed it up. I heard host story. Well, you a said historian. historian. A okay. host historian. But you said host historian. I'm like, that's a, a cool new word. <laughs> a host historian. A host historian. Because they just, host like history documentary films and stuff. Right, but right, right. I kind of did what I will that. be your yeah. host historian. She's a, she's a Mormon historian on like the, the wives of Joseph Smith or something like that. I think she's going to read from the diaries. I could be totally messing this up. But it sounds intriguing. And then sounds paired with classical music, like really cool event. Tickets are 10 bucks. I love Next Ensemble. They're doing more and more um, just really innovative um, events that are accessible. And like yeah, where metal too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. At the Egyptian? At, the, at Eccles Art Center. Oh, Eccles Art Center. Yeah, that's this weekend. I would say that's really cool. And the Ogdenite is hosting an event tomorrow. Um, it's a Hamilton sing-along and karaoke. And we're going to dress up and eat taboo pizza. It's going to be... So uh, basically Ogden's... And that's Wednesday night. Musical. So this will air Wednesday. So tonight oh. you're hosting... Oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah, that's tomorrow night at Unspoken Bar. Okay. And there's a Friendsgiving open mic here at Happy Magpie, which sounds awesome. Right too. right over there. Yes, right <laughs> next door. Right next door to where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for being a good sport, Deanne. Appreciate that. <laughs> sure. Uh, thank you to Bandy One for powering today's episode of the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. Listen and subscribe to the Ogden Arts and Adventure on YouTube. Uh, let's, we changed the old Ogden Adventure, so if you're really feeling spicy, go look at the old videos of us, me and friends, ice climbing 10 years ago, Willard waterfall wow stuff. it's pretty wild uh look for us on facebook instagram apple Podcasts, spotify the banding collective.com and the podbean app for android and iphones you can still dm us though on instagram at ogden adventure so we will leave you this week it's not on twitter mm. not no, no i haven't logged in for a long time I it do says a, yeah Nothing right. to do with recent events. It's been years. Other ways to get hold of Other us. Other ways to get a hold of us. You you can find us on Twitter. We're just, I'm not active. What? I don't know. Yes? Yeah. No, okay. I was just going to ask, like, why is it so hard to tweet? I don't know. I, tweet I don't know once what to a say. Year. Once a year, I'm like, I'm bad. I and I can think I'm going to be, and I don't. I just do that one post. That's actually a really good strategy. Just once a year, do I'm back, and then don't post yeah. again. For, yeah. <laughs> just, just retweet it. Just every retweet. Year. I'm bad. Yes. <laughs> uh, I really like that. This week's Outdoor Jukebox, I'm, I'm going back to, so we started, I want everyone to follow the Van Sessions YouTube page. And so we started a Van Sessions page yeah. um, on, on YouTube specifically for Van Sessions. And the first song we uploaded was by Christian Scheller that was recorded here at the Monarch. It's called Whiskey and Weed. I love that song. Uh, yeah, it does, does a great job. Okay, so this is Whiskey and Weed, Christian Scheller with the proper way, by the way, on Van Sessions at the Monarch. Whiskey makes my head feel kind of mild. Weed makes my head feel like a child. Nicotine is a buzz I feel deep down. only gone for a while let's pour some booze let's sing the tunes about the good times we don't want to
Good stuff. 